Welcome to Punchboard Paradise, a podcast coming to you from the heartland of America in Omaha, Nebraska, where we discuss the world of tabletop gaming, the topics that affect the board game community, and give honest and fair reviews of the industry's hottest games. In episode 26, the Punchboarders talk, Feld, Feld, Feld. We start off by giving a spotlight on Stefan Feld. Then we review Steffenfeld's two newest games in Carpe Diem and Forum Trajanum. Then we're going to draft our top four favorite Feld games. And then at the end, we'll give you just a quick overview of what our actual top five favorite Felds are. Let's get ready to Feld! Oh, man. I'm so sad that people are going to miss those first couple outtakes because those were great. I seriously just felt like I was on the Bozo show just now. <laughs> no, but okay. Hey, hey, hey. Sorry. Hey, I'm Chad. I'm Clef. No, I'm Richie. <laughs> All right. So, Fell, you guys played any of those games? Yeah, you got in a bunch, didn't you? Yeah, you're pumping I up your numbers. I Well, I figured we're going to do this episode. I am going to try to do, as I put it to my wife, this is research for my job because this is my, now part of my job that I do. And then she keeps asking me, are you making any money? And I keep saying, no. <laughs> does, does a, uh, I don't know. Uh, we've gotten a couple of review copies. So that's like me saving money. So that's close enough. Right? She was like, I just went shopping yesterday because it was my job as well. <laughs> and I am also going to Hawaii for my job. Well, there you and go. And I'm yeah. going. <laughs> I would say, but you've also bought more games saying, well, this is for the podcast. I got to, I need right. something to talk about. Right. I Maybe I really should, we should turn this into like a corporation. And I could start to do these things as tax write-offs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like that's a that great idea. idea. Yeah, I like that. Anyways, back to the topic at hand. Yes, uh, this past weekend, I got over to a friend of ours, Michelle. And she had a little game day. And uh, Bryce came and talked about a Feld fan. I think uh, Feld is definitely his favorite designer. And so he had a few, you know, kind of out-of-print obscure games that I have never gotten to play. And so I asked him to bring them along so that I had a chance to play them. Yeah, that's Bryce's specialty. That's why he has that Out of the Dust podcast, because he has all those games. That, I think, actually, and this is kind of crazy, but one of his top 10 games is called Emira, E-M-I-R-A, I believe it's pronounced. It's about the strategic he calls it the strategic economic harem building game mm, it is mm, about building an <laughs> egyptian building a... harem i think okay i i i i would i'll probably pass on that but i i'm definitely <laughs> oh definitely... man bryce go ahead i'll, I'll learn it <laughs> I would say you said it's an economic game yeah that's what he said okay I got you. So mm, pimps back in the day, right? I guess that's what it sounds like, which is, oh, Ooh, boy. boy. All righty. All right, moving back to Feld. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Um, so, yeah, so the, I got in a game of called Rum and Pirates, which is one of Feld's earliest games. It was entertaining. It was a little bit, you know, it's a little on the lighter side. You're basically just moving this one captain piece around the board, and then you leave a trail of pirates, but you only have so many pirates that you have before you basically have to pass and then there's different action spaces that the captain hits that you can either get a coin or you can get like uh, different tiles and these tiles have points on them and that's really all there is to it some of them are like maps so you have to have a left side and a right side of the map you know to then score the full points um, if you only have half of the map at the end of the game it's not worth anything and then there's a point where you pass and then you kind of roll some dice randomly and you're trying to get lucky to try to win some of these uh sleeping things that the pirates want to sleep in so as opposed to having to sleep on the deck 
you know, you can win your, you know, I don't know, a bedroll or something for the night. It was entertaining. I enjoyed it. It had some strategy. It wasn't wasn't terrible. Um, we played it five player, and you know, it was enjoyable. And then after that, my favorite of the three, we got in Strasbourg, so which is the one that he had taught you. And boy, first of all, I'll say this. Oh boy, I was bad at it. Um, I was bad at it. I mean, it's it's definitely a game. A little bit of knowledge helps with that game because it's like, how many cards do you draw? And then, you you know, and I mean, Chad talked about it in a, in a past episode where you're just kind of an auction game where you're drawing some cards, but you only have 24 cards for the entire game. And so you have to choose how many you're drawing. And you, so you could draw a bigger hand or try to do better you know, kind of but thing. But then you so, got so, nothing for later. So. Right, exactly. So very entertaining. And then we finished off with In the Name of the Rose, which I had never even really, you know, I mean, I'd heard of it, but I'd never heard much about it. And the way Bryce put this is, uh, he said, he's not much of a deduction fan, but in the world of deduction, this is his favorite of, you know, a genre he doesn't really like. You know, it's it's done very feldish, you know, where you're trying to not score points. You're trying not to be the leader. But when you go, you have a certain color, but nobody knows what color you are. When you go to do certain actions, you can move a certain color either forward or back. Well, if you try to move your color too much at the end of the game, if everybody guesses what color you are, then you have to move up a whole bunch of spots, so you're certainly not going to win. So you have to be a little crafty in, you know, well, maybe I'll move up red this time. And, you know, where you're gray, let's say, you might move up red or you might move up, you know, green or something just to try to, you know, try to fool everybody and, oh, I don't know what color he is because if you're too obvious. And then the favorite part about this game, though, that I was just the coolest part is we were playing a, a five-player game and our local listener, Vicky, was playing. And to start with, she was like really obvious about what her color was. Okay. So we're all like, Oh, Vicky, you know, you're not supposed to, you know, come on, Vicky, have a poker face. And we're all like, she's blue. And so we're messing with blue and the whole game. I mean, we're like, you're blue. And it literally, we get down to the ending where it was time to reveal. And Vicky revealed that she was not blue. And it was like, Oh my God, you know, she had us fooled <laughs> the whole game. It was so cool. That was awesome. Uh, yeah. It was really, really neat. She Sounds totally great. fooled us. So, yeah. So as far as um, a deduction game, it was okay. You know I mean? I, I enjoyed it for what it was. Probably be a good game for your stand up moments list though. Sounds well, like. that surely was probably better than anything I actually put <laughs> yeah. on my stand up <laughs> moments list. That might be. <laughs> Richie, did you get to play any more Felds? I tried to. It, when I saw Clef putting up all those pictures, all those Feld and him just inflating his numbers for this podcast, <laughs> I, I went on to uh, Yakata because they have Oracle Delphi on there. And so I think that could possibly be a Feld that could crack my top 10 Felds list. But I kept falling asleep while I was reading the rules. And then finally, I got the rules down. I started a game, but then I had to go to work the next day and I had a bunch of stuff th throughout the day. So I didn't really get to play my turns. And I'll be honest with you, I don't really know how to play the game right now. So I am just moving pieces around on the board until it ends and I lose. That's okay. my plan. <laughs> so, Well, baby, I, I can give you probably a five-minute quick okay. tutorial of it. Uh, I've played the game. I know it's a race. Yeah, I've played it probably <laughs> so. seven or eight times probably at least. So, yeah, I can give you a little... Little little hints on it. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a decent little for a race game. It's it seemed interesting for yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. And definitely a little different for Feld. Well, in the interest of time, because we got Feld, 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 and Feld, and we're gonna cut some of our other things that we like to do, like email this time, and 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 the mailbag, and some Kickstarter corner. But we'll get back to that next episode. But we're gonna go straight into an introduction. Oh wait, 
wait, wait, wait. I had promised that we were going to do our drawing for our meeple trays from 3D Bitspace and Ryan Brockman. We're going to go, we're going to do a, a random number generator. Thank you very much for everybody who gave us those iTunes reviews. I know I get it from when I used to do it. It is an extra step and can be kind of a hassle to kind of go in there and do that. And we really, really appreciate every single review we get, all of them. And they've been really nice. Even the ones who say that we're not as annoying as everybody else. And that's great too. Actually, still my favorite review. Um, but... Uh, we're going to run all those names through the random number generator, and we'll come up with one here. And we got Ohio Farm Boy. Ohio Farm Boy, we do not have your email or address. So if you are Ohio Farm Boy and you listen to us, Ohio Farm Boy, give us an email to punchboardparadise at gmail.com so we can send you these awesome interlocking trays, these meeple trays from 3D Bitspace. Beautiful things. Steffenfeld is a very prolific game designer with nearly 30 games to his credit. His design aesthetic is usually characterized by taking a single certain mechanism, tweaking it, and building around that, such as multi-use cards, auctions, mancala, etc. He often has a punishing element or threat that players must work to manage and balance while achieving game objectives. He is also known for his turn order track. He's also one of the prime progenitors of the point salad, right? Sure. I mean, uh, when you, you say when people say that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would definitely say that. Yeah, that's definitely his kind of big characteristic, I would say. But I, I feel like he's, yes, it's a point salad, but I think a lot of people don't recognize the fact, I mean, it may be a point salad, but there's, you know, very restrictive path that you can only do so much in, in his games. So you have, yes, you may have different options of how you want to try to score those points, but you can't do everything. It's, it's not a free for So for you, some of the best games are the ones that are really tight. Like in the year of the dragon is kind of restrictive in that way. Uh, you got a lot of stuff that yeah, you... Yeah, I mean, I certainly, to me, I, I for Feld, the thing that I like is certainly like the fact that he has a mechanism that he really will do well and then the game really shines with that and you know i'll I'll use for instance say like you know castles of burgundy i mean that great drafting of the tiles and making that board is just not only for me i i guess the thing that i love most about it is there's the the moment of i almost call it the moment of terror where i need to draft my certain tiles and i have that of okay if i go take this tile and do this you know or whatever that happens to be the game you know if i go do this Will my opponent be able then to do the something else that I wanted to? So what do I go do? You know, uh, or you know, like in Trajan, you know, okay, well, if I go start building, you know, is somebody going to get to a military, you know, place faster than I can, or are they going to be able to hop up in the Senate for the, you know, those type of things? I just like those tight decisions with that great player interaction. To me, that's what I really love about Feld. Well, because they're Euros, do these are these the ones are are Feld games the ones, Richie, that you think? get that moniker of you know this is a multiplayer solitaire game do you can you can you think of or is that is that just other games in general i think it's probably other games in general i think that his games are fairly interactive for the most part he may have a couple that are kind of solitaire-ish but uh, like clef was saying i think a lot of the games like especially like castles of burgundy like there are you know when the tiles get set out there and you're looking out there there's you know i want you know this particular technology tile but i also need a castle this round you know so you do have that nice push and pull and i will say I also like that his games seem to scale pretty well 
throughout the different player accounts. I think that's true. A lot of his games play well at two, for example, even when you wouldn't think that they would. And I heard, again, this is me talking. I could probably be corrected within the next 48 hours of when this <laughs> podcast comes out. But I, I, I thought I remember, I, I consume a lot of podcast media, and I, I thought I remember hearing that one of his favorite you know, testing uh, of his designs is just to play with his wife back and forth and and in a two you know in a two player way so he always almost always has games that play very well at two player for that reason and then he's able to scale up usually from there yeah i I think i've heard that too so i think you're i think you're safe um (laughs) but no i i agree that is one thing that i i have always liked about a felt game is i feel like i'm getting the same experience playing at two players as playing at four players. I mean, I Castles of Burgundy is the exact same game to me, whether I'm playing two player or four player, because the restriction of the tiles, not to tip the hand, but, you know, the same type of thing with Carpe Diem does the same type of thing where, you know, the tiles, the all the tiles are still out there for you to be able to get, but certain numbers will be cleared depending on the number of players. And I, and I think that's just a masterful thing that he is able to do. What about, have you have you both heard the, the acronym JACE? J-A-S-E. Have you ever heard that before? No. Nope. So this gets bandied around the wilds of the internet, Jace, because it stands for just another soulless euro. And I think it gets thrown to, of course, Clefus rolled his eyes. He obviously hates that term already. <laughs> but uh, I think some Amera trash thrash, whatever you want to name it, uh, players feel that that uh, a lot of euros out there are just another soulless euro. Do you think Feld uh, deservedly gets this moniker or could get this moniker with some of his games? I mean, when I look at his games, do I get excited? Like when I look at, you know, let's pretend that the next Avengers movie had the cover of Carpe Diem. Is, are you going to get super excited about that? No. But I know that the game's going to be solid, right? His, his mechanisms are there. Even though, yes, the theme does not matter in any of his games. I mean, there, maybe there's a couple that it comes through on, but for the most part, it, it, it's a soulless Euro, but just because it's soulless doesn't mean that it's not enjoyable, okay. at least to me. This is, you know, I, I've actually been thinking about this a lot just as myself, because sometimes you guys, you know, make fun of me on, the, oh, does the components really matter? Does the theme really matter? And really what it's come down to is I've really thought about this, where for me, yes, a theme can enhance a game. It can make a game more enjoyable. Nicer components can make a game more enjoyable or easier to play, but I certainly, I don't need them. It's not something that I have to have. And for me, that doesn't, so I don't, when I play Trajan, I don't think of myself as a Roman senator trying to get votes in the, you know, the whatever, the Republic, or I'm not out there like I'm sending my guys off to a military conquest. I'm just doing the mechanisms. That's all that matters to me. So if you want to call it another Solus Euro, sure, go for it. But they're damn good Solus Euros, I'll say that. All right. Well, I think we talked enough about kind of an overview of what what Feld games are known for and what their rap is. So, well, I, I would ask a question. What, I mean, if just in the world of, and I'm not talking our favorites, where do you think he ranks among the the top of board game designers of all time? Well, we've, we've done that. We've done our draft, right? Well, I'm not talking about our thought, but I'm talking just in general. I mean, I mean, even if you weren't a Feld fan, I mean, he certainly, to me, has got to be one of the top five designers of all time, would you say? Uh, he's, I mean, he's definitely up there, but I mean, if you're talking about, are you talking about influential? Yeah. Because then we have to talk about like um, Gary Gygax, D&D, whether you like it or not, that's huge. 
No, that's huge. And, I, and well, I will Richard agree. Garfield, sure, you know, of magic. I mean, so, so you would say no, he's not maybe necessarily in the top five of most influential designers. I, I'm saying off at the top of my head, it's not a slam dunk. Okay. Yeah, and I would have to agree. I mean, I, of the three of us, I'm probably the one that I'm not as big of a Feld fan as as you two. Like, I would not put him on the Mount Rushmore of board games. Okay. If that makes sense. Okay. All right. Yeah. I, I, like I said, he might come up there, but then like people like Sid Saxon, for example, too. I mean, a, a choir and all, you know, some of those. I mean, I, I feel like there are, it's tough. I, I'd i really have to sit down before I made my my Mount Rushmore of, of, of game designers. And so I definitely really like Fell. We know that, but. I don't right. know if, if, if he I makes my most I would, influential. I think that he is one of a very few designers out there for me that when he releases a game, I'm going to play it, period. And so that, to me, right now at least, you know, I mean, Simone Luciani, you know, I mean, there's a few out there that, I, you know, Alexander Fister, that I'm saying, hey, I think that these are, at least in a Euro sense, these are games that I feel like I am going to for sure play. It's going to be on my have to playlist. So for you, he's a top five designer then. I'm not even necessarily, I'm just saying four designers out there right now that I am going to want to play he's there okay anyways well that was just a quick overview of uh mr feld and let's get on and do some reviewing of his new game shall we let's do it yep Okay, so we're going to start with doing our Carpe Diem review. Yes, I am reading the overview, so you will hear no voices out of me. Um, <laughs> all right, Carpe Diem is a two to four player game that plays in about 45 to 75 minutes. The game will be played over four rounds. Players will start off with an empty tile board that they will start to fill in with drafted tiles that they will compete to get to get certain resources. Each round, they will end up getting seven total tiles. Players will need to carefully manage their tile selection and placements as failing to do so can cost them a tile that they cannot place, hence a wasted action. At the end of each round, players will turn their attention to a board that has scoring cards laid out on a grid. Players will have to decide where to place their discs in an intersection between two cards within the grid. These cards either require a number of resources from the player, or they can require the player to have built certain buildings on their player board. This will score them positive points for achieving any of the card objectives, but they can also lose four points if they cannot achieve one of the cards, or eight points if they can't achieve either of the cards. So players also will be trying to advance on a track that will then let them be able to be the first one to put their disc out on the cards, which can be very, very important because once a spot has been taken, it is gone for the rest of the game. Uh, there's also game in scoring cards that they can get while they are going through the game that will be personal objectives that they can obtain. And then also any of their chimneys that they have built from their villas, as long as they're completed, will also score them points at the end of the game. After the fourth round, the player with the most points is the winner. So there's a... Uh, there's an overview of Carpe Diem. And that pretty much covers it. I mean, yeah. that's pretty straightforward. There's yeah. a few sco point scoring things, but that's the rules in a nutshell. Yeah. All right, gentlemen, let's let's start it off where we always do. And I am going to say this, and then you guys have at it. <laughs> Components. All right, Richie, go. Uh, easily the worst we've reviewed so far. <laughs> I, I think I can confidently say that. it's uh, The art is terrible. Like the art that's in the game, I mean, the cover is boring. The art that's in the game, it, it's bad. 
<laughs> it's just bad. It looks ugly on the table. You know, it, once again, it, this happens a lot in Feld games where the shading of the colors is just subtle. So then you can't really tell the difference between certain colors and the what are the tiles called? Uh, the, what do you mean? <laughs> the tiles. The... the tiles. So they have the dark green tiles, yeah, and then the light green tiles. But they all just look like green tiles. You really can't tell the difference unless you are unless you're used to it already. Yeah, and you're in good lighting. Yeah, I've I've got it down. But all right, it's tough. All yeah. right, it's it's okay. bad. Okay, so it's... that's the art. So we'll stick with art. So the art is is bad. All right. Art and components. Okay. All right. We'll get to the components in a minute. All right. Chad, what do you think about the art? Unforgivable. I'm done. <laughs> I mean, the whole the, the whole production pretty unforgivable. That's that's what I have to say. I mean, did anybody did anybody proofread like I don't know if that's the same thing, but when you pull out those tiles, did anybody look at those before they made a whole bunch of them? Like isn't there a process? There's a process, right? When you get a board game and you make it and you look at it, I mean, you would think so. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, it, it's ridiculous. It's so, ridiculous. So the graphic design is bad. The okay. graphic design is bad. The 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 top, you know, like the the buildings and stuff are very very meh. You know. Would you say bland? Uh, I would say seriously bland. I mean, it looks like actually it looks kind of like computer art. You know, with the, the those buildings and the tiles that, that you lay out on the board yeah, looks definitely. like computer art, like pixelated computer art. I am not going to disagree with either one of you. Okay. <laughs> The art is is bland. It's 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 bad. It's forgettable. Would you hang I, that on your wall? No, but I'm not <laughs> hanging any board game on my wall. Some um, people do. Some a lot people of board do. Games I'd hang on my wall. That's I have, fine. I have video culture on my wall. So. That's and I'm I'm happy for you. I, <laughs> I I play my board games. I don't hang them on the wall, so I don't care. That's me. So it is bland. All right. So art is forgettable. All right. That's what I'll say. I mean, there's nothing there that makes you, you know, if you say, you know, we'll take another Euro. Uh, what's the time right now? If you take brass, okay, beautiful board. <laughs> looks great. You know, yes, I will give you that. This is very forgettable. Well, brass okay? is brass. I mean, you don't even need to compare it to brass. It's top-notch production. This looks like this was made 20 years ago. Okay. So okay, it's, it's bland. Yeah. I mean, comparing it, comparing something that's like substandard for the time versus brass, which is pretty top notch, is you know. Well, I'm saying. If Feld's name was not on the box and you saw that box, would you pick that box up? Me, yes. You would because, not. Because no, I <laughs> like those type of Euro games are usually the ones I like. I I like those. I, usually, when it's an ugly box cover, it's got a better shot at me liking it. What, is Lorenzo like some sort of amazing box cover? No, but whose name is on it? Simone Luciani. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. If, if but I didn't know who designers... Simone Luciani was when I got Lorenzo. Okay, I did. If the <laughs> if they weren't on the box cover, I would not go anywhere near that box. It's terrible. Okay, all right. We're moving on. Art is bad. <laughs> Real quick, let's talk about just components to me because it's a little bit of a different thing. So components. Chad, you look like you're itching to talk about the components. Well, I'm just saying they're serviceable, right? I mean, they're serviceable. It, it, aside from the fact that the tiles are too difficult to discern the difference so it makes the game very hard to play in low lighting basically very difficult it, it is a hindrance to the game so if components are a hindrance to the game i would say that's not very good components the other thing i would say is that the quality of them is akin to a castles of burgundy which is about 10 years ago what's your thoughts on the components <laughs> yeah they are also bad they're they're not great the i mean what's the best part about the the components the wooden yeah, they got beautiful little wooden bits. You got a little grape. You got a little little uh, fish. That's, you got a little leaf. Right. So that's it. That's all you got. That's as far as quality 
in the box. That's I was that's just trying saw. to look for something. Positive. You're you're right. I think you're right. That's that is true, and I I I admit that I had forgotten about that. So I apologize. That is that is something that is a little bit more modern. Little wood shapes that aren't cubes. They could have put different colored cubes in there. So that is something. But again, like I said, my biggest my biggest qualm is that when you provide components that make the game nigh unplayable without some assistance i will i will take disagreement with that i have never had a problem playing this game even once yes the tiles are difficult to see on the back side about which one is which but that doesn't stop the gameplay i mean once you have them separated that it doesn't harm the gameplay the gameplay is just fine that's all i'm gonna say okay okay we're we're, i i it is bad it is not Great. All right. And not only are they, they, do we think that, like me and Chad think that it's bad, they're already going to be putting out a second edition to fix the issues. Yeah. Okay. So there are issues. I'm not arguing that there's not issues. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is it's passable. It's, I can still play the game. I don't have, I've played the game 10 times. I haven't had any issues while playing the game. Okay. I, I just felt like, I just felt like from my perspective, when you can put out a game and you can look at it and you can proofread it before you put out the rest of it, it's just kind of inexcusable. I, I understand like some of the wooden bits that looks better, you know, but I, I just, it, it is, it, I don't know. I well, think it hinders it. Well, here, and I'll, I'll, sorry, this is just a question that I'm asking. Okay. In, you know, economics 101. All right. If you're Robinsburger and I can put out or make a game and I'm just throwing out numbers here just you know this is not technical terms here and I can make a game for 10 bucks and I can put Steffenfeld's name on it and people know they're going to buy games from Steffenfeld and so they can sell 10,000 copies of it or their other alternative is that they could make the game look better more prettier and make it for $20 and maybe they sell an extra 500 copies because somebody goes you know ooh, it looks pretty that doesn't make sense economically. So there's no, I mean, I don't fault them for putting out the game looking the way it did because people still buy it. That's fine. But are we not reviewers or do we not consider ourselves reviewers? Then we look at the merits of the art and components, the gameplay and all those things. And I'm saying the art and components of this are, are substandard, substandard. That means sub industry standard. I agree. I'm just simply saying the point that I understand why maybe not everybody has to do an over-the-top production when they make a game. Not every game has to look like Brass or Coimbra or, you know, a hundred of other games that obviously do look beautiful. Absolutely. Totally, totally correct and very true. And and But if we're going to praise those games, we're going to give fair shrift to this kind of stuff too. If we're going to talk about the art and components, here's one one part of the production that we can praise them on and that's the rule book right these guys always have a very good rule book that is one thing that they do very well and it is laid out well clef you want to talk about the rule book because i agree with you on this yeah no uh they make great rule books and that was my my next thing i was going to bring up is I, I will right now i guarantee you this i don't care what you say i will take a game with a good rule book that looks like crap as opposed to a game that looks beautiful with a crappy rule book I'll say that all day long. Absolutely, because yep. you right. can't play it otherwise. Now, I was taught this game, okay? So I didn't necessarily read the rule book before I first played it, but I have since gone back and read the rule book. And the one thing that I really love about how they Ravensburger does their rule books is they have the thing off to the side that, you know, you can just go back and look at those bullet points. So if it's like, oh, how many 
you know, points does everybody start with? Oh, boom, it's right there. Real easy to find. Very, very good rule book. I've never not been able to find an answer to something in the rule book. It's all very well laid out. Uh, they definitely, to me, get a very, very big plus here for a very solid rule book. Yeah, I'll give it. I just wish the same amount of love went into the art and components. All right, we're past the art and components. All right. <laughs> all right. So the next thing that I have to discuss on here, as I thought we could talk about, is complexity. Where do you guys feel like, I mean, the complexity of this game kind of ranks in the in the world of Euros? For me, just right off the bat, I think I haven't played Rum and Bones, and there may be a few other uh, Feld games that I haven't played, but I would say I played La Isla, which I consider this to be, well, before I played this game, I considered La Isla to be his lightest game, but I would say this is his lightest game to me, in my opinion. Okay. Richie? Hmm. I mean, it's it's definitely lighter on the lighter side of Feld's. I don't know, you know, if it's his lightest necessarily, but I would say it's probably, you know, if you look at like uh, BGG for the weight ranking, it's probably medium light on there. If you're going to be, you know, looking at all users voting, okay. it would probably come in at medium light, maybe medium okay. overall for complexity. What do you think? Here's what I think, and here's why I think that most people will rate it where they do. It's a very easy rule set. It's, it's not a hard game to play. No. Move your guy, grab a tile, you're making a pretty little, you know, village or whatever down on your player board, okay? That's really the main, you know, you can teach somebody that rule and they can be playing like that, you know, type of thing, okay? So I think that the rule set is very easy and it's a very easy game to teach. Um, I, I feel like even, you know, obviously it's not gateway, but I mean, it's, it's one of those games that I think, you know, somebody who's maybe played some gateway games, it's a game that you could introduce them to, okay? However... I will tell you that I think that the actual gameplay itself to be play it well and under and, and kind of figure out what you're doing, I think is a little bit more complex than what most people are giving it credit for. I mean, I feel same kind of feeling that when I'm playing like a Castles of Burgundy, I have that great like, how am I going to put this all together down here to then, I mean, not only are you worrying about trying to put your little village together, but you're also then having to worry about those scoring cards. And we'll get to that here in a moment, but there's just the pure genius of that and how difficult that can be to try to manage not only just trying to get your tiles, but then also worrying about that. I think the complexity is a little bit higher than what most people are going to give it credit for because the simplisticness of the rules. It doesn't take 20 minutes to teach this game. Like it's going to, the next game we're going to talk about, it takes 20 minutes to teach somebody how to play the game. I think what you're, what you're, what you're referring to is that the complexity isn't there in the rule set, but the depth of the gameplay is. Correct. I think that's what you're saying. That is exactly okay. what I'm saying. All right. Well, for me, and not as much, but I will say one of the one of the differences also in the gameplay of Castles of Burgundy versus this one is there is much more satisfying combinations to pull off within a turn, which is one of the things that I feel is is fun with Castles of Burgundy. You get to chain action. It's made to be able to chain actions together. Uh, and so if you're looking for something like that in this gameplay, it's it's not there. Now, not to say that there aren't satisfying decisions to be made. I'm just saying that you can't, you, you, you don't have these turns where you get to, to chain actions together and, and get that satisfying nature out of the I, gameplay. Don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, I am not trying to say this is Castles of Burgundy. It is, it is not. But it does just have some similarities in its 
Once again, I would say Castles of Burgundy is is not necessarily a terribly hard game to teach either. I mean, once you kind of just explain, you know, you're grabbing tiles, you put them in a ready area, and then put them up on your board, that's not exactly complex either. But, oh my goodness, to play the game well and to, you know, get those combos and stuff you're talking about, the depth. So, I mean, you hit it on the head. That's what I'm trying to say is the depth in this game of the actual strategy of it is a lot more complex than what, you know, the, the actual... Uh, rule set maybe. Well, if we're yeah. talking about gameplay, let's talk about the uh, the card row, the card grid, the scoring mechanism for this game where you're placing your disc out before anybody else can on what you want to score that round, which I think for me, that's the central mechanism of the game. And that is to me, the one really interesting decision of this game is planning for that, which you said there's some depth. You're looking ahead and kind of seeing what tiles might be out and what you can get there. And then looking ahead to place your disc out on the on the thing before anybody else can hopefully well you had one word for the art i'm gonna have one word for that scoring track brilliant absolutely brilliant agree um yeah overall that's my favorite part of this game and i mean as far as gameplay goes uh, i know that you know you can't necessarily trigger actions together but you have to plan for that scoring track and you have to be on top of the other players to make sure that when you go to score that you are scoring what you want to score and i really enjoy the kind of the tension that that builds like the last time that we played me and clef were we were kind of going after the same scoring card in the same round so i had to make sure that i was up on the bander rolls or i'm just going to call them scroll the scroll track <laughs> <laughs> which uh allows you to choose first choose your scoring thing first and that made a big difference for you for that round, right? Yeah. that And that to me is, I mean, Chad's saying that that's the only thing that's interesting about this game. I, that's where I just totally disagree in the fact that there's everything that leads up to that is interesting. It's interesting on what tiles are you going to go after? What tiles are you, like, could they be gone by the time, okay, if I go and get this tile to try to do this, if somebody takes that other tile and not even necessarily takes your tile if it's a lesser player count, but just takes the tile so then that part gets cleared. There's all that strategy in trying to figure that out. And then like you just said, the banderole, bandolier, banda, whatever, I don't know what it's called. Um, the, the scroll track, the thing that's going to make you first player, or not first player, but first chooser of the cards, that thing is so important. And I mean, to try to place your, your pieces just right so that you, maybe you can move up. And it's, of course, the classic feld of if you're the last one to a spot, you're now in first place. So you really have to watch that because ooh, being first, getting to put your marker up there, that's huge because you get to pick wherever you want to. And then in those scoring cards, not only is it in an interesting decision you can make for okay, this one right here will give me some points here and this one will give me some points here. But, oh, you look over at your opponents and you go, ah, oh, but Richie could just score so many points there. I've got to put mine there even since maybe, maybe it's not even going to score me. Maybe I'm going to lose points out of it, but losing points to block him is going to be worth more points than me taking another spot. That's brilliant. It's brilliant. No, I, I don't have anything to rebut. I mean, you guys find that interesting and that's fine. That's That's great. I just don't I just don't find it that that interesting. I find the the race to scoring and like, you know, trying to plan for that. That part of it is is really, like you said, brilliant. It is very good. Uh, 
I think that that is the game. I just, I, I, I just, you know, I don't find much, much else in it. And, and I'm glad that you guys do. I just don't. And once again, it, everybody likes their own things. It just, it still surprises me to this day that the game just doesn't, you just don't, something about it just didn't work for you. It just still surprises me to this day. Yeah, I don't get it either. It's that the interaction is so good in this game because of that scoring mm-hmm. mechanism. Because, I mean, I agree without, if that was taken out, then this is nothing. There's this a game no is game. Nothing. Yeah, that's, that's, my, that's what I'm saying. I'm not disagreeing with what you just said at all. But the, I mean, everything else is tied to that. So that's, I guess that's why it's so enjoyable for me is that it's not like you just get to the end of the round and then that comes into play. That's in play the entire game. You yeah. have to be working towards that. Yeah. Like if, if this was something where like you had to turn these cards up like at the end of a round or something, so you didn't know right. what you're, it would be terrible. I mean, that's part of the, you know, obviously I'm, I'm totally changing the game in that point. But now I'll say one thing for this and I've, you know, I've played this with a lot of different people, played with all different player counts. Most people have enjoyed it, but my wife did not. And the main reason that she did not enjoy it was she did not like the fact that uh, we just played two player and she didn't like the fact that if there was a hex that had, you know, it starts off with the four tiles and obviously once two are gone, then they clear. She didn't like that fact because she was like, if she looked at a hex and she thought, wow, I could really use all three of those tiles or, you know, three of those tiles or something. She had no way to be able to work or to plan to get there. She, she just didn't like the fact that they cleared at that point. And then she also just didn't really like the fact that I could mess with her plans. You know, if I noticed that she'd gotten, you know, a green building or a yellow building or something where she needed to try to complete it. I could purposely go over there and steal a tile to make her not get that building or something. So she did not like that player interaction, which obviously I think is one of our favorite things, you know, Richie. Yeah. I think that that, as far as scaling the game, I think that that was a a great uh, choice to do it that way. Cause I, I just really enjoy the the kind of the push your luck aspect of that. It's like, okay, I I need these tiles or at different sections. Maybe I can let that one ride for a little bit. Maybe Clef won't go over there and take that last tile. That's going to wash the rest of them away. I enjoy that interaction, especially in what is a soulless Ural, right? Well, sure. I mean, I I couldn't even begin to tell you what the theme of this game is. (laughs) (laughs) Seize the day. (laughs) Seize the day. Yeah. Seize your, your buildings for scoring cards and sell your, Fish and leaves. Yeah. Anyways. So we oh. kind of talked about player count then, right? Yeah. Okay. And it, it seems to like, like a lot of Felds, it seems to play pretty, pretty well at all counts because of that scaling. It seems to play the same across the board in, in, in gameplay. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't, nothing else more I can say about it. I, I enjoyed it too. I enjoyed it three and I enjoy it four. It plays quick enough that even at a four player, it's still a, a quick game, but boy, a nice little two player game. You know, I, Richie and I probably can get one in in half an hour, I bet, probably. Yeah, yeah. it hums along. Yeah. So. It does play quick. Replayability? I say great replayability. Every time I play it, one thing we haven't talked about is to begin the game off with, you're going to get four random kind of outer parts to your tile board that you put up random and they're going to have, they're going to have different uh, buildings that have like uh, an arrow that goes towards an intersection. And if you build one of those buildings, it's completed at the end of the game on those intersections. Uh, by the way, I keep using hand signals right now like anybody can see me. Um, I, there, You can like have those intersections. You can score more points at the end of the game. So that's a, a variable in that game where, and I have found that, that once you really kind of understand the game. That's a lot of points. You can really watch for that and almost even 
sometimes, you know, not worry as much about the scoring cards or, you know, you know, certainly not worry about getting big points on the scoring cards. You can watch for that. So it's another different way to score points. So that's variable. Every game, it's going to be different. The tiles obviously are going to come out in different places every single time. And then talk about the scoring cards. I think the deck has, I'm going to guess, at least 50 different scoring cards. So there's plenty. Yeah. I guess I kind of hopped into variability there a little bit too, but it certainly has enough variability that it continues to be, you know, a replayable game to me. I've played it, like I said, 10 times. This game is still a game that right now I would say, hey, I'd like to, you know, play another three or four, five, you know, six times of this game easily. Yeah, I think I think there's some good variability in the game. I would say replayability, uh, the interaction is there, like Richie said, but there's not, and we'll, I'll get to this a little bit more in my final thoughts, but there's not as much as I'd like there to be to explore. And for that reason, uh, replayability would be low for me with this. Gotcha. In my in my in my personal estimation, I mean, you know, um, one thing variability wise that's not very variable is you are the same tiles are always going to be there. Yeah. There's not going to be any different tiles. The only thing that might be a little different is the last round, the dark green ones. Um, they randomly, you put like 11 of them out on the bottom of the board each round. So there might be some that don't make it into the, to the last round. So that's a little bit of a variability there. Um, and the scoring cards, as many as there are, obviously there's not a lot, you know, some of them just happens to be different rewards or different combinations. Three of, of this things. resource, three right. of this exactly. resource, so three of this resource. I don't want to say like it's different things. I, you know, just no, want everybody but... to be aware if, you know, of what we're talking about. But the, I mean, for me, I would say it's high on both counts because the position of those cards on that grid makes a difference. That's going to change the game every time. And, you know, like you said, you have that track down at the bottom with the dark green tiles. So if you build a green building, take one of those. And I mean, just overall, I mean, for me, it is an enjoyable game that is, you know, highly replayable for me, especially at the amount of time that it takes. Okay. All right. Well, I think we've, we've really talked a lot about this one. And I think at this point now, let's... Let's give our final thoughts. And Richie, I'm going to have you start off and give us your final thoughts. And, oh, go ahead and give us that Punchboard Paradise rating. Yeah. So we rate on a six-point scale, a one being a game that makes you miserable, and a six being a game that is a contender for your top ten of all time. Where are we starting at today? Uh, we're starting with you. We're starting I, with me. Is I that what you said? I what it is. Yep. I'm, I am most curious about yours here at this moment. Okay. So for me, this is a mix between Sansuchi and Castles of Burgundy, which are two kind of medium weight games, but they it kind of captures the essence of both of those games. And I, I love both of those games. Now, is it as good as Castles of Burgundy? No, it's not. But it is a solid medium, medium light game. Uh, one of my favorite Felds. Uh, it's a five for me. I would say it's up there with some of those games from, you know, top games from last year. Wow. So it is a five for me. And I was surprised by this. I did not have any plans to play this game at all. Right. Because I looked at that cover. I looked at those components. <laughs> I had no plans to play this game. I'm glad. I twisted your arm. <laughs> and even because Chad, you know. We know where Chad's going, but... <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> after he played it, he didn't want to have anything to do with it. Uh, Clef is the only reason that we're reviewing this, and I'm, I'm glad we did. Uh, five for me. Okay. Chad? I get to go next. I'm going to let you go next, and, and I'll, I'll finish this off here, but yeah, I'll let you go next. Okay. You get the rebuttal, in other words. I, I, <laughs> all right. I well, would like to point out to everybody, we are all friends, and we will all be friends yes. after this <laughs> podcast, okay? <laughs> uh, well... You know, it's Feld, and I, I don't know how many Feld games I 
I actively dislike. You know, I actively dislike them. I was I was really disappointed in the production of this game. I won't lie, and that dings it for me, and I think it's fair to say it dings it for me. This game rides between a two and a three for me, but ultimately it's just going to get a three. I find it to be light. I'm, I'm not, there's no reason, I know you guys are a little bit surprised, there's no reason to give it a two. It, it, it's it's completely based on our rating scale, which is a three is sort of I don't need to own it. If somebody wanted to play it, I'd probably play it sort of thing. Right. Isn't that kind of a three for us? Yeah. So yeah, right. I, I feel like that. I have no desire to play it again. But if one of you guys wanted to play it, I'd play it. You know, I'm not going to pull it off the shelf, but I, and I, I certainly don't feel a need to own it. It's not a bad game. It's just not my kind of game. And the again like i said there's not that much to explore i'm not great at this game but i don't feel like there's it's not like a game where oh i want to see if i can do this next time or oh i want to see if i can take this tact with it no i i just i feel like i feel like what richie said and it is a selling point and probably why i would play it if somebody played it off took it off the shelf because i know it's going to be quick you know so it it's you know it, it's like pulling off a bandaid. It's it's no big deal. So <laughs> I'm surprised you're at a three. I I am too. I mean the last played time the other night, <laughs> you were miserable. Even when we just talk about the game, yeah. Not even he has that look of oh my god. Yeah, this game again? <laughs> he, he wants us just to stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm surprised you're at a three. I I, I just I, I was thinking it was going to be a one or a two. That, yeah, I was I, I, I was debating whether a game has to have a game has to have serious issues outside of. Just production issues to to but get. But our punchboard rating scale says one is a game you are miserable playing. Yeah, you I, were miserable playing this game the other night. Well, the other night I just yeah I wanted there were many other things that I wanted to be playing. That's true. But I I'm gonna say that I'm gonna say that uh, like I said for most of our viewers I, I I think they can safely say this is a this is a three game. You know if you. If you find yourself... Hold on. I don't want to know about our rating? listeners. What is your rating? Be honest. I Like I said, I still I still would put it at a three. I'd still play it. You don't think I should put it at a three? No, because I'm I've, never going to ask you to play this game right. again because I feel like you're miserable playing it. Are you going to ask me to play Root again? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> no, but honestly. Okay, I mean, no, no. Okay. I can honestly say I don't think I've ever played a game with you where you were that like uninterested in the game. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well... All right, all right. Okay, but he said it's a three. <laughs> but if we're, it's a three, it's we're a three. Gonna, we're going to let it there. All right, I'm going to round this baby out, okay? So I'm going to first of all say, I, I'm going to right off the bat say, this game is amazing. I The first time I played it, I was like, eh, it's okay. It's one of those games that as I have played it and played it, it has gotten better and better for me. I just, I really enjoy it. I love the whole, you know, picking out your tiles and kind of, usually tile lane's not a big thing for me, but I, it just works in this game for me. I like the scoring where you have the, the, how the scoring is different. You really have to not only worry about what you're making on your board, but having to pay attention to the scoring. And you got to still pay attention to the banderole track, you know, trying to be on that. Um, you know, I, I just, I think it's just everything about it just is solid for me. Yeah, it looks like crap. Oh, well, I'll deal <laughs> and I'll move on. This game is a solid, solid five. There is, I mean, this this game for me, I mean, this is obviously a 2018 18. release. I mean, I'll flat out tell you, this is in my top five of last year. Not even a question about it. 100% this is in my top five from last year. I love this game, and 
if you're a Stefan Feld fan, I mean, you've got to at least try it. We all will say that. If, Absolutely. If you're a yeah, Feld I'll fan, even definitely. say. There is no way don't try this game. Maybe wait for the reprint so it's not quite as bad or ugly. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I will say that I I gave it a five. I have not purchased this yet because I am waiting for that second edition. So, I'll, yeah, it's, it's bad. <laughs> wait all for right. the second edition. All right. Well, so there's a recap for Carpe Diem, right? We got fives from clef and richie and a three from chad allegedly all right <laughs> let's uh let's move on to our next review chad take it away you want to be the one don't you the one who has the emperor trajan's ear one day it could be you they speak of in hushed tones well, first, you must get off of your big backside and straighten up your Roman colonia. You must keep the original population happy while building strong Roman control. And don't forget to send your best envoys to help with building Trajan's Forum. He is a powerful emperor who demands a worthy memorial wing to supplement the Forum Romanum. Stay firm. Keep your wits about you and do not let the others get ahead of you. Do not aid them in the growth of their colonias. Do not let them take what is yours, and one day, perhaps they will be building monuments to you. That was freaking awesome. <laughs> no, I gotta, I gotta apologize to Ben Maddox because I know he really wanted a uh, wanted a comedic Italian voice for that. Uh, and I had my best Chico marks ready, but the, but the punchboard paradise, uh, the punchboard paradise committee voted it down hard. So, so that's what you get. I'm sorry, Ben. Let's Ben, if you'd have heard it, you might yeah. have voted it down too. Maybe one day we'll include it in outtakes or something. Yeah. Let's let's talk about the rules for Forum Trajanum. Forum Trajanum is a two to four player game of tile drafting and tile laying that plays in about 30 minutes per player and players each begin with their own player board of overturned tiles on a street grid. Each turn two street cards are revealed determining which streets players can choose to to take their tile from and these tiles can have a variety of resources or special powers on them and players must pick one to keep and then one to pass to the other player that's on their right then the players have to choose the tile that they choose from the tile that they've received from the player on their left and the one that they've kept the special powers that they can get on these may grant them certain rule-breaking abilities that must be paid for each cycle and the resources can be used to build in the colonia on their board or to send envoys out to build in the forum the major player board the game plays out over three cycles of four rounds each with each cycle being accompanied by a scoring round that is based on achievements in the player's colonia and in the forum as well so some of these achievements include longest connected chain of envoys in the forum envoys that score for proximity to these eagle monuments that are in the forum and also by fulfilling these Trajan task cards that have been set out at the beginning of the game. Scoring can also be modified by moving one's scoring bar that is the top of their player, bar, player board that changes the number of points that players can score for certain tasks and scoring objectives. They are also There are also a variety of tracks to move up on around the forum from building certain buildings that get you other point bonuses and additional point salad. At the end of the third scoring cycle, the player with the most points wins. All right. That's a very simplified version of the rule set for Forum Trajanum. So, gentlemen, let's start with art and components. Richie, 
Give us your art and components. Uh, the components are fine. They're just standard wood meeples and different shapes. I mean, once again, it, I it, the theme does not matter in this game. I think Jessica said it best to me when she was describing the front cover. It looks like a cheesy romance novel with that guy on the front. Oh, like Fabio. Well, he's a, <laughs> <laughs> he's a pretty, that guy's a pretty dreamy envoy, though. He is like, he's, you know, he's got a nice look about him. Yeah, it's just... I, <laughs> <laughs> Um, it's Mr. Richie agreed with me for the for the record. The I mean, this is light years uh, as far as production quality. This is light years above Carpe Diem. Absolutely, it's still not fantastic. All right, well, we're not talking about Carpe Diem right now. We're I'm talking just, about this game. It it's still not you know amazing. Uh, the art's kind of boring, and uh, yeah, it's it's fine. Um, it's okay. I I don't. I mean, it's nothing huge to write home about. Um, the the weirdest thing is that. First player marker. I, I still don't know exactly what that thing is. <laughs> Everybody that looks at it sees something different. Maybe that's it is a guy holding a laurel wreath and pointing to the to the sky. Basically, it almost looked like you were flipping the sky off there. I just wanted to point that out. <laughs> um, I, well, but I understand. Maybe you know exactly what it is, but everybody who looks at it has a different opinion. Of what it is? It's it's weird looking. I, what well, it's a say? it's a wooden meeple, so it's hard to get sure. all that all um, that into it right uh the colors are pretty i mean you've got all those you know those bright pretty colors that the, the meeples are and they did a good job with those meeples graphic design wise ugh, that scoring track don't do that games i cannot stand when a scoring track is wrapped weirdly and you gotta then you gotta move components out of the way to try to move your piece on the scoring track that i get rid of that that i can't stand yeah as clef is referring to it's it's kind of in the shape of the forum itself and so it kind of wraps around these sort of colonnades and stuff and does these half circles and stuff as it's going around the board and it's kind of wonky from a practical standpoint yeah and i the cards for what they do in the game didn't have to be that big and they take up like a good fourth of the player board you know to put them out and then you you know the street cards they're just i mean they're literally all you do is you flip two of them over and then you you look at the symbols they could have been half that size and then made the board more graphically designed this is all graphic design stuff that i'm talking about just just it was too much for what the cards do i mean two seconds after you look at them you're done looking at them they're not they don't make any other you know bearing on the game yeah yeah, yeah. i think the only reason that those were done that way is because there are other cards that are your scoring cards that have more information on them and to do a different size card with those would be would be more actually more cost cost prohibitive so i think that's why it was done that way yeah all right you know it um that some of that art style reminds me of uh, Seven Wonders, I think. I, I don't know why, but just like the pictures and stuff, like you know, uh, has has the same type of similar. Some of the, you know, like you have the women bathing. You know, that is a that's in Seven Wonders, and you have just pictures of like the Coliseum and stuff. You know, just different things. I don't know. Every time I play it, I just have a Seven Wonders kind of art in my head. I think it's trying to capture that sort of feel. Yeah. I think that's fair to say. So, uh, what, Chad, what is your thoughts on the arts and components? I, I'm not going to argue with anything anybody said. It's it's colorful. I like the colors in the game that make it pop a little bit. But the art is very, you know, it, it's not. It doesn't stand out as bad. It doesn't also stand out as incredibly good either. It does a pretty serviceable job. I, I do like the colors on the board because they they brighten up the brighten up the board a little bit but other than that it's it's fine for okay. what it is all right 
Uh, did you read the rule book from from scratch? Okay. Yeah. What was your What was your feelings on the rule book? I actually thought the rule book, and we'll get into this a little bit later. But I th- actually thought the rule book was pretty good. Uh, I thought it was laid out fairly well. But this game, and we'll talk about it in a second. It's not the easiest to teach anyway. I didn't feel like this game is the easiest to teach to other players. There's a lot going on in the way that it all blends together and mixes together in in new players' heads is is difficult at times. But yeah, I, I, re- I read the player book from scratch and I, I, I thought it was pretty well laid out with good examples throughout, which always makes a difference to me. Yeah, I um, it was a night where uh, our friend Josh called me up and he's a an envoy, I believe. It's a funny thing. He's an envoy and he gets some games early and he called me up and had this game a little bit early and said, hey, I got, got the game, but I haven't read any of the rules. I don't know anything about it. You want me to bring it over? And I was like, absolutely. And we read the rule book together along with another friend of ours, Corey, from scratch and had no problems. I mean, solid rule book. I, I, and the other thing I'll say about it is I really like the player aid card that they give along with it. Very nice. It shows you exactly how your turn goes. It shows you how a scoring round goes. And then on the other side, it gives you exactly how you can build each item or whatever and what each one does. So I really like that. And it also tells you how each one of the special player powers, so how what they do. So I, I good job on everything about that rule book and player aid. And that's that's not ancillary. You need that player aid your first couple of times. And it, it is a good tool to use. Uh you need that player aid game seven, okay? <laughs> don't 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 stop with game couple of two time. You need it. Uh, I still use it religiously. I mean it is still a very helpful tool, not even for me to show the new people that I'm playing, but for myself, it's a very nice thing to look at and go through, you know, especially scoring. It's very nice to break that down. So, yeah, good job. Uh, so complexity again. I'm, I'm curious on your thought process, something a little bit new. We don't usually talk that much about complexity, but I just kind of I'm curious what's your guys' thoughts on the complexity of this game? Well, once again, when I think complexity, I think rules complexity. OK, so rules complexity versus depth of game decisions, depth of game play. Strategicness. OK, yeah. And I will say that this game is a lot more complex with the rule set be it good or bad than what we talked about we'll talk we'll talk about that in a, in a, in a second but the the rule set itself and how things work and when they score and how they score and those kinds of things is definitely more complex whether that's to its detriment or its benefit that that is the case i mean i guess i just and everyone is saying that, that this is the you know the the heavy steffenfeld euro from last year and i i guess i just don't see it I think it's a solid medium weight as far as complexity goes. On your turn, you're going to draw two tiles at random, pick one pass, pick one out of those two, build a building. That's your turn. I mean, it, there's... Right, but I think what Chad is saying is the complexity, if, if it is a heavier complexity, is in teaching people how to play the game. I can teach somebody... Okay, and we're not in comparison yet, so I'm just going to keep going here. It will take me a good 15 minutes or so at least to teach somebody how to play this game. If I want to give them everything that I need to teach them about it. I guess so. There's more rules. I don't know if that necessarily makes it more complex. It's the rule, the extra rules that are being tacked on compared to Carpe Diem aren't. You're right. misunderstanding. Brain burning. You're, you're you know misunderstanding what, what I said, though. You're totally misunderstanding. No, what I'm not, I said I'm, I'm responding to rules, club. I'm not. I understand what you're saying. Rules complexity. Yeah. I didn't say game weight. Yeah. I'm I didn't not talking say, about. I'm not talking about depth. I'm just saying as far as time goes, as far as teaching the game. It, it's going to take longer just because there are more rules. Exactly what we're saying. But that's not complexity. 
that's rules complexity. Well, that's, I mean, I guess we have to kind of define what do we mean by complexity? Are we trying to, you know, there's obviously a lot of different levels that make a complexity of a game. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, a game like Madeira, you know, heavy, heavy rules and heavy, heavy strategicness. You know, there's a lot of complexity in that game. I don't care how you cut it. Uh, where this game, maybe, it, you know, there, there are more rules, and so it's a little bit heavier on the complexity of the giving the rules, but the actual gameplay may not be as heavy. You right. Know. Like, what I, I think what, what you guys are going to get at, what, what you're going to say, and I understand this, I don't necessarily agree, but what I'm guessing you're going to say is that the rules complexity doesn't give you the benefit of the strategic weight of the game or the strategic depth of the game for you guys i mean i guess it just did not take me any longer to teach this you know what i'm saying it i guess it just didn't take me that much longer to you, teach it so you didn't even feel like the the rules complexity was all that much no okay. I, that's what i'm saying for me for me okay. it just okay. was not there okay all right well let's let's get into this let's let's get into the gameplay and and we are friends so <laughs> till the to the bitter end we are friends there is no doubts about that but no i mean in all seriousness and i mean this is to me this is what i love about this podcast is i mean we're going to have disagreements I mean, right we're going to yeah, yeah, yeah you know i mean richie loved root i i didn't that's that's right. going to happen no and i and i think you know this is you know maybe a little bit more you know uh I think we've had a little bit more discussion about these games than we have definitely for no, a lot any of games. other game. Quite honestly, <laughs> that I, that's great. But Chad, get into it. I mean, tell people what, you like this game. There is no doubt about it. Why? What makes this game enjoyable for you? Well, what I really like is uh, is that there are a multitude of things to to look at in this game. For me, you're looking at the three scoring cards at the end of each cycle that you're going to try to go for. So you can't. You're not. It's not like the other game that we just talked about where, and I know we're not comparing yet, but it's hard not to because with that, you're still looking at what you're going to score. Just like that game, you're not going to lock somebody else out, but you're still looking at that. And then you're planning for it and how you're going to build that way and how you're going to get stuff off your own board and build on that as well as where you're going to build out in the forum and how you're going to try to A, build stuff for yourself and B, especially in a lower player count game, and we'll talk about this, cut off others. And I think that also what's interesting is there are a few a few viable strategies in the game. Now, this depends on the setup, definitely, and how cards come out, but there are a few interesting strategies of the game where I'm still with the gameplay kind of wanting to go, oh, I want to see in a in a in a gray building setup where all the scoring cards at the end of each cycle are gray, if I can shoot up to one of the tracks in the very first cycle, if I can get all the way up by building the same building over and over and have a couple of citizens, those are the special power tiles, in my colony at the same time, if I can keep spamming that and get you know huge points out of that because there's a mechanism in which to do that. And so there's still stuff in this game that I haven't quite fully explored that I want to explore. The, the mechanism are are interesting. I know you guys don't feel like, and we can get to this here, that the drafting is very interesting. But I felt like I it was interesting because I learned this game with a different group than than you guys, and that's always interesting. I think that's why we've had different experiences for these two games because we both learned we all learned it at different times, which was kind of interesting because we don't always do that. Uh, and the group that I played with the first time at four player, we were constantly looking what the other players had. And I heard over and over from people, I don't want to give you this, but ugh, I don't want to, I, I got to keep it for myself. And so the decisions of the drafting, even though you guys didn't feel like that, 
I felt like it's there and it definitely feels like that at two players too because it's very zero sum you're getting something back and you're trying to decide you know what what to give to to anybody because I definitely think there's a strategy in starving out people of money and starving out people of their uh their uh citizens or excuse me their 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 certain envoys assistance okay I, I want to dig into this because this is to me when I you know, I'm sorry, Richie, we'll, we'll get to your, your, your gameplay thoughts here in a second, but we can kind of add on to this. Because when I first heard this game, and, you know, I, I watched Rado's review of it, the, the selling point, the thing that I was so excited about was this drafting of these two tiles and the painstaking, agonizing decision of, oh, my goodness, I don't want to give this to my opponent, but I don't really need it. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? And so, Chad, you say you feel it. There's You have those moments. I've now played this game seven times, which is not a lot, but I mean, I've played it seven times. I have never once, once had a thought of, I don't want to pass this t- tile to my opponent. Every single time I look at my two tiles and I go, this is the one I need more. Or I look at my two tiles. Okay. The only time that I've ever even thought about what am I going to hand my opponent is if I look at my two tiles and go, I don't need either one of these. And then I might look over at my opponent and go, oh, they don't have a lot of gray guys. I won't pass on the one that has the gray guys. That's the only time. There's never been a painstakingly agonizing moment of, oh my God, I don't, I need that tile, but I don't need this tile and I don't want to pass on my opponent. It, it's just not there for me. And I'm talking, this is a two player, three player and four player. Never one time has it come into my thought process. And I guess for me, the because I would I would agree that this when I heard about this game, the the big selling point for me was that drafting and you having to hand a tile to your opponent. I was really excited for that. First off, the the random card flip. So now I'm drawing two random tiles that are face down. I have no clue what I'm drawing. So that right there takes a lot of the interest out for me. And even if I draw two tiles at random, I have to take the tile that's best for me. I have to. If I in this game, you are not benefiting yourself from screwing up your own plans to possibly affect your opponent, because no matter what, they are also going to draw two random tiles. You don't know what they're drawing. They may draw what they need. Yeah, very well said. I mean, it would be one thing if I got to see what my opponent drew and then I go, oh, I know he's needs brown guys or gray guys or whatever, you know, whatever color he needs. And now I see, oh, he didn't draw it. Or, you know, he needs coins. Oh, he didn't draw the coin. Then maybe there would be a decision. But I don't know. He could have drawn the tile he needs. And the other thing I'll say real quick, and Chad, I'll let you give a rebuttal here. But I have 98% of the time. I take the tile that I already chose first anyways. I don't even care what, half the time what my opponent gives me. Well, more than half. Almost all the time, I'm taking the tile that I need because that's what I'm going to, okay, that's what I'm in need of. What my opponent passed me usually is the inferior of the two tiles that they drew. Well, and I, I, I won't disagree that you don't want to shank yourself when you when you, when you you pass a tile. I mean, that, that's, that's not really a good strategy for... For, for anybody, but I will say that when you're trying to choose between, I always check, you know, what's on the other player board, what it looks like they're going for, what buildings they, what color they've built out in the, in the forum, where they're building out in the forum and how that might affect me. I always check those sort of things and that still plays into the decision for me. So like, uh, like others have said, I still think there's some tension in that choice. Also with the random tile flip, I don't, think that's anything different than drawing cards off of a stack and drafting around a table with your cards either so 
I, I feel like it's the exact same sort of thing. That's what you get with a drafting game. By the same token, with those flips of the of the card, you also have assistants. Assistants are little white guys that you can choose to draw any tile. You don't know what's under it. That's okay. But you can still plan about where you want to build in your colonia. And that is a super important choice for scoring sometimes too. And so you can mitigate you can mitigate which tile you get to draw from, and that makes a difference. Right, but I'm, that I'm not. I'm not talking about that. No, I, I know, I, but I'm referring to Richie talking about it. Yeah, but you still in a drafting game, especially because we play a lot at three or even at four. In a drafting game, when you have a hand of cards, you're going to see those cards again. So you are going to strategize as far as I think I can take this now because this is going to come back around to me. In this game, yes, the white guys are great. If you got them. And a lot of times it's better off to, to not mess around with the streets, but to save up so that you have two white guys so you can take both tiles when you need to. Yeah, I agree. Very, very, very rarely do I ever use one of the tribunes or the white meeples to choose where different. Because usually that's not that big of a deal to me. I, I usually, um, you know, and, and yes, I realize they're, they're the scoring cards. And the scoring cards are... You can get a lot of points off those scoring cards if you do complete them. But one thing I'll also say about those scoring cards are, because they're completely random, I've noticed that if you go after one set, it's very unlikely that you're going to, because a lot of times it's like, okay, build horizontal ones, and then it's like the other ones, like build vertical or four squares or whatever. It's, I mean, really, honestly, you have to just go, okay, I'm just going to go after that one and not worry about the other cards. At least what I've noticed. It totally depends on how they come out, though. There's a lot True. of variability to Can't. that part of it, and and so it totally it can it, it is like any of the games like we've talked about with a map where Marco Polo or any of that. You have to look and see what's out there on the board at the opening of the scoring cards to decide where you're going to go with your strategies. I mean, kind of. It's kind of because your temples are in place because they're they're just there. They're going to block you every game, and th that does not change. So I mean, no matter what, like if you get the you have to do the vertical with the gray two colors and then another gray. And then the next one down is another vertical where you need color, two grays, and a color. You are just not going to be able to do all that. Yeah. You have to pick and choose. And I, and I agree, but I'll also say this. I think the scoring cards are like the third thing that I worry about when scoring the game. And once again, not I'm not saying anything bragging-wise. I'm just simply saying I've played it seven times. I've won six out of the seven games. It's not a game that I have a problem winning. Uh, if you remember the game, we, the four-player game we played, I not I never once scored any of those. So I think maybe I scored one in the very last round or something. To me, the whole game goes to that slide bar. You've got to get that slide bar all the way over to the end so that you can be scoring those big chunks of points with your row of envoys that you have out there, which... I have yet to have anybody successfully try to block me off from getting anything on those. My wife tried very hard last night and she still didn't succeed. Um, but that's where you're going to get a majority of your points from. And then the other thing that I have found, at least for me, that I really concentrate on is I get one row where I get two of the same citizen in a row and I just drop, I drop a different one of those brown or gray buildings in there. 
And that is a chunk of points that you can score each round that's much better than those scoring cards will score you. You are correct in that, and that is huge. But I will say to you now that you don't always have to use your move your scoring bar all the way to the end if the three scoring cards are non-colored scoring cards. It makes envoys in the middle not as important, and you can get up to like 100, 100, 140, 150 points by building out all those different gray buildings like you talked about in your two citizen rows and then just moving the score bar a little bit. You got to move it a little bit because you're scoring those those gray scoring cards for the three cycles. But that is another strategy to take if it's there in the scoring card. So you don't always have to move your scoring bar all the way to the right. Okay. And I like the citizens. I think the citizens are really cool. I mean, that might be one of my favorite parts of the game. I like the citizens. I like their different abilities. I like the fact that you can, you know, not necessarily can you pick and choose what your abilities are because it random of the tiles or whatever. You have a random one that you pick off to start the game off with and then... But you do have access to them no matter what, because two of them are face up, the only two that are face up. I I like the citizens, and I like the fact that you can have two in the same row, and yet you still only have to pay one coin per row. I think that's a neat thing. I mean... I don't know, Richie. What what is your thoughts on the set of citizens? You still had the look of yeah, whatever on them. <laughs> they were fine. I think. I mean, the the special powers. I mean, they're not like terribly exciting. Sometimes I don't know it. The top one where you can just place anywhere where you don't have to pay attention to the color. Yeah. I mean, that takes the tension out of that middle part because it just almost seems like everyone has that power pretty quickly. Like everyone gets that power pretty quickly, or you know, I don't know. It just seemed like that just takes the interest out of that middle map because it doesn't matter. Anyone can go anywhere. Okay. And they score diagonally off of the the eagles with it, right? Right. Yes, they do. Um, and then it, yeah, I I just think they're fine. Okay. They're fine. And again, that power is going to matter more in a game where the scoring cards that are colored come out because it makes that more beneficial versus gray buildings, which change the the face of of the forum scoring basically and how that works. But I will say too, you had talked about the tribunes again, another resource to be treated like money. I think where you, it is a valid strategy to have an influx of those coming in, whether you're moving up the different gray building tracks that get you a variety of benefits and trying to have a, a surfeit or a surplus of tribunes so that you can always kind of do the things that you want to do if possible. I think that's another strategy is to kind of build those in and have those like money if you can. So so going back to the, the tiles. So we talked a little bit about this earlier, the randomness of you pulling tiles. Okay? Now, one thing that I have noticed, and I, at least like I said, for me, and maybe there are games where it's going to be a little bit different, moving the slide bar up is, is going to be even... And, even if you're, whatever way you're going, either if you're going envoys, you're going to get more points if you move that slide bar up. Or if you're going the emperor's, uh, you know, the Trajan uh, bonus tiles, you want to move that Trajan tile up to at least get to the spot where you're getting seven points for each one that you do. Right. So that's, that slide that's the max. bar is yeah. very important. So I will say this one thing when we're talking about picking up those random tiles. Every time I pick up tiles, if I have a slide bar as an option, I don't care what the other tile is. I take the one that gives me the slide bar every single time. It's a no brainer. There is no tile that is better than the ones that move your slide bar up. Well, by the same token, I would say once I get it to that seven spot, if I have those grays and I need to get more buildings into my in into the, the scoring row, then it makes a difference what that is. But I definitely want to be able to move my slide bar somewhat. If I have it in the space that I that I want it for, for scoring and I want to work on, like I said, getting that row of like 12 at a time or more in those in those citizen rows, then that's what I work. Well, 
it, but the other thing that I will say on the uh, the slide, the the player powers, I should say, the uh, citizens. To me, the most powerful one is that one that lets you flip your slide bar so it's better off. And you get to skip spots just for moving up because you get a move to the tree. I mean, there's a spot there where there's like three trees in a row. But then after that, it only takes you like two more movement to get all the way up to the top where normally it would take four. I find that one, like if I flip over those three beginning tiles, I mean, that's, and I get the money bag, whatever you want to call it. I mean, I put it on that slide bar immediately. It's it's by far to me the best citizen power out there if we're talking about if we're talking and saying that the slide bar needs to be moved at least a little bit in the game which i i would agree with you it does then that is the most efficient way to do it. right but i've i i've had games where i have struggled in picking you know randomly grabbing tiles that gave me the slide bar movement now granted you can try to finish off colors up in the area and that's i mean once again that little thing when you finish off a color you know you have you get either this reward this reward this reward or move your slide bar or this reward it's move the slide bar every time i mean i've never picked another option when i finished a color is besides move the slide bar and i i don't but i i want to say again it is a it is a very strong strategy in this game it is not the only strategy all right well somebody's gonna have to prove to me a different one (laughs) (laughs) i just i just told you i just told you if if there are scoring rows you don't need to go after the envoys as heavily and you can get 150 points by building different gray buildings i think we've talked a lot about gameplay so shall we just real quick we'll talk about uh player count um i'm not sure i care how many people i mean it's just gonna take longer i gotta say i do care (laughs) well yeah but i mean the gameplay isn't any different for me. No, the game I mean, it is. It's very much a, a solitaire-ish game, except for the forum where you're placing your envoys. Outside of that, you're looking at your own board the entire time, and and that gets bigger with more player count. Which I then feel like, like you said, if everybody has that citizen, or if they have that citizen power, they're not in each other's way as much. So, anyways, but Chad, what's what's your feelings on player count? I like it at two and three best, but I'll definitely play it at four. Okay, short and sweet. Good job, guys. Replayability and variability, I guess, you know, same there. Chad, what's your feelings on the replayability of this game? There's a lot of it. You have the randomness of how the tiles come out, like we've been talking about. You have the randomness of how the scoring cards are set up, which is going to influence your strategies at the beginning of the game. You have the card flip of the streets, which you can either choose to mitigate with with, uh, tribunes or not. There there are... uh, a lot of things that make this game variable. I think, you know, I, I would say it's average to maybe a little bit over average as far as the variability. Okay. Richie? I mean, for me, it's it's low. There's not that many scoring cards. And most of the scoring cards are the same. There's, I mean, just like we were talking about in Carpe Diem, collect this resource. Okay. Get this color in this pattern, either vertical or horizontal. There are, what, like three that are not that. And in each one, there's only five or six cards, if that. So for me, it, it felt very samey each game. And that could be just the way that the scoring cards were coming out. But it felt you're going to be doing the same thing every turn in every game. I'm, I'm going to be... I'm going to be kind of in the middle of you guys. I don't think this game has a lot of replayability, but I don't think it necessarily has no replayability. There are still, I mean, there is still some strategies I suppose I could try. I'm, I'm not sure that, I mean, I'm not sure that I want to. Well, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure I don't want to. I feel like I've gotten what I want out of this game, but I do feel like for people who do enjoy this game, I think there is some replayability for them. Not sure about variability. I think the game's pretty stagnant how it is. I don't feel like the random tiles or the scoring cards really make that big a difference, in my opinion. But 
once again, I still feel like this game is not going to be, you know, it's not going to be a completely the same game every single time. So you're going to get really bored of it. So I, a little bit in the middle. Maybe I lean a little bit more towards Richie, but I, I can see Chad's point. Okay. All right. Whew. We're ready. Let's give our final <laughs> thoughts and then we'll give a little bit of a rating. Chad, what, what do you, th- who do you want to start, Chad? I don't care. <laughs> Remember, we're all friends. <laughs> I, I'm not upset. I just don't care. No, I understand. Well, Chad, I, I want you go ahead and go first. I think. Uh, all right. Uh, yeah. Short oh, and simple. Let Chad let him do his rebuttal at the end. You want him to be end? Okay. Yeah. How about you go first? I'll go second. Chad gets the rebuttal. Okay. All right. I'll I'll, I'll give him that. All right. Well, I'll start off and say once again. Obviously, these are those are our opinions. And maybe it's other people have different thoughts. I just want to make sure that I feel like to me, this game is a little bit too much on the simplistic side for me, for a game that I feel like I I don't feel like there's enough interaction in the game for it to feel like I am have those moments of, of terror almost like I, you know, do in Carpe Diem, you know, and I realize we're talking about a different game or any game, you know, we're, you know, in brass or whatever, you know, and I realize these are, Great games, but I just don't get that out of this game because for me, the mechanism that is the what you're selling the game upon is the drafting of these two tiles, choosing one and, and having that agonizing decision of having to pass it to the opponent. That's not there. For me, it's not there. I have not yet had that experience. So really, when it comes right down to it, this game is, is going to hit my sell shelf. I've played it enough. I'm ready to move on. It's not a miserable game. When I'm playing it, I'm still, you know, my wheels are still turning. I'm still trying to play and do the best I possibly can. And I wouldn't even say it's a game that if, if Chad said, Clef, I really want to play Forum Trade on him. I, I, I'm up for a game. I'm going to say yes to him. Okay. So for me, I'm going to put it at a three. I feel like that's right where I should be for this game. It's definitely not a miserable game, but it's obviously not a game that is going to be you know, in my top felds or anything. It's it's going to be, you know, nearer the bottom or whatever, but still it's not a game that is, that is, you know, terrible. All right. So there we go. I'm giving it a three. So Richie, it's up to you now. My favorite part in this game was throwing my tiles at Chad when we were playing. Because <laughs> <laughs> it, it didn't matter to me. And I guess that was the biggest disappointment in this game for me. And once that was gone, it was just a very much a solitaire game that just in my opinion did not have that many interesting decisions in it and even at two players where you have the the forum where you're putting putting out your envoys could never get anyone cut off even when if i tried to do it you're not helping yourself if you're not connecting all of your people if you're just jumping around trying to block people so there was really nothing in this game that excited me that held any interest in me other than throwing the tiles at chad i really loved that that was fun (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so um i don't know if i'll play this game again it's straddling it's it was so close to a one it is so close to a one for me um i i ranked all my felds and this is at the very bottom for me uh but it will be a two because like i said i really enjoyed throwing my tiles at chad and that was redeemable <laughs> you you guys will just want me to be the only one who's ever given a game a one <laughs> <laughs> so yeah two for me all right. Well, I will say that this game is a five for me. It's not a high five, but it's a five. It'll make probably my end of the year. At least it's a contender, and it'll probably be up near the near the you know nine or ten position. We'll we'll kind of see how that shakes out. But it's not my favorite film. It's you know it, it it's 
it's not up that high at all, but it's a game that I will still continue to play, want to play, want to try other strategies and get better at because I think that there is, I feel like this is a game that the more you play it, the better you get at it and the better you get at implementing certain strategies. If you're Richie and you feel like it's rinse and repeat, it's not it's not interesting to get better at those strategies. And I understand that. That's fine. But for me, I think that you can improve your gameplay. Now, there's randomness, but I think there are ways to mitigate it. And so, like I said, I still feel like I want to continue to play this game and continue to explore it. So it is a five from me. So there you have it. Our rating for Forum Trajanum is a three from Clef, a two from Richie as long as he gets to throw the tiles at me, and a five <laughs> From Chad. So we've talked a lot about these. Uh, we did ask for uh, our listeners to kind of give us their opinions if they have played, you know, either of the games or kind of what they would be looking for from this review. Uh, one was uh, from uh, Ben Corberly, and he was just going to wonder which one of these two games we should keep in his collection. I think we've pretty much answered that. I think, you know, Chad would obviously go with, with Forum, and, you know, Richie and I both would go with Carpe. And I did I, so. I did actually sell my Carpe Diem. It hadn't been broken shrink yet, but after I played it, I just sold it right off. So yeah. that that's my answer. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'll just read a few of the, the comments that we got. One we did get... Um, if one, you've, I'm sure you've heard us talk many times about uh, Ben Maddox. He does the Five Games for Doomsday podcast, and he has done a little... Uh, review. He does little like kind of mini reviews that he just kind of goes over uh, games and he did one on forum and basically his, he, he likes the game a lot. So he's Chad, he's pretty much in your camp. He thinks it's a brilliant game. And uh, Chad has a big smile on his face right now. Well, like, I'm just thinking, you know, you know how intelligent you say Ben always is. So, you know, I'm just, it's all right. Oh boy. Okay. All right. <laughs> um, it, his, you know, kind of his thoughts, and I'm summarizing here because I this is just you can go and listen to the the review yourself. But one of the things, and he says this just about you know Feld in general is Feld has a wonderful world of multiple different things that you can do, yet you can't always do everything that you want to. You know, you kind of have to pick and choose what you're doing. And he really feels like Forum really brings that out, where there's a lot of different avenues to to you know point salad type of things that you can do. But you kind of have to pick and choose, and that to him is what the joy is in this game. So, which I, I get, you know what I mean? If that is something that is enjoyable and you feel like way in this game, that's great. Now, one thing that Ben did not say is he didn't say anything about Carpe Diem. So I don't know if he's played it or if he dislikes it or what the case is. He'll certainly let us know on Twitter, I'm sure, the moment he hears this episode. Um Let's see, what else did we have? We had, um, let's see here, Joe Farrell wrote in, and uh, now he said he Forum Trajanum is the only Feld that he's had a chance to play so far, and he's also kind of curious, if, if this is the case, where he should go with Feld from here. I Honestly, I think with Feld, you should start at Castles of Burgundy. Yeah, I think that's a great jumping off point. I think for myself and a lot of other people out there, sometimes... Castles of Burgundy is the first Euro you play. You you know, it, it, people who have kind of got into like Betrayal at House on the Hill or some of these others and people are like, oh, you got to play this game and you're, and you're thinking, it's so ugly. And then you play it and you go, oh. So yeah, yeah I, I think that's a good jumping off. Yeah, point. My only other thought would possibly be to play Trajan because it's going to be in the same world. You know, I mean, it has the same. Yeah, there, there's the same Definitely theme. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And I would say that it's a bit, uh, a, a bit, 
I don't know, heavier, thinkier than than castles. But I think it's on par as far as rules complexity wise, probably as with Forum Trajanum. Right. Um, and then we also have another comment here from uh, Dan Smith from the Across the Board podcast. He says this is an inter- This is interesting as I think both games have their faults and positives. He says, uh, Carpe Diem obviously has component and production issues, which we've all discussed, uh, but I personally don't feel that it is restricting in the gameplay. Um, Are there glaring mistakes? Yes, but there is a fantastic game hidden among those issues. The strategy of when to claim certain tiles and the race for first place on the Banderoles track and the agonizing end round scoring is fantastic. Um, then he goes on to say he's only played Forum Trade on him once, but he didn't feel that it created tension and stress inducing decisions that it does like in Carpe Diem. So he basically says to him, Carpe Diem is the superior game, um, even since it's been kind of crippled from you know the production all. Uh, production quality but he's not sure that over time if either one of these will become you know classic type of felds like uh, castles or trajan you know type of thing i can't necessarily disagree with that i I don't know that this will make his classic oeuvre yeah definitely and then dan also added in he's looking forward to the castles of burgundy deluxe so (laughs) yeah well (laughs) so anyways those are just uh, you know some of the listeners and and what their feelings are um you know, hey, after you hear this episode, if you want to go in there and continue to add on, I would love to hear what people's thoughts are on these both these games. Um, yeah, so that's all I got there. Well, uh, how can they do that, Chad? You, you just go to Board Game Geek and hop on our guild page for uh, Guild 3227 and uh, feel free to hop on, add questions. We love getting on and talking with, with our group uh, and, and the forums in there. And you can pose any other questions or add on we'll usually have a post after each podcast we'll kind of tell you what it is here towards the end of this podcast but yeah please uh, jump on there and also if you want to get on our guild and and hit us up with some even more immediate questions or advice or discussions you can get on our guild by emailing us at punchboardparadise at gmail.com to uh to get an invite to the to the uh, punchboard paradise slack chat all right let's let's have some fun let's do some drafting yeah all right here we go At Punchboard Paradise, we like to draft our games. That way we all have unique list. This is going to be a tough one for me, fellas. <laughs> Not going to lie. But <laughs> the way that we do that is we do have a serpentine draft, which means if you draft last in the first round, you will draft first in the second round. And we're going to roll off to see who decides the draft order and... I may just cheat. I'm not going to lie. I might just <laughs> I said, set my is, dice to 10. <laughs> this is Richie's most important dice roll that he's had in a long time for because he really he needs this. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Ooh, eight. Oh, eight. Look at this. <sighs> You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Throw me a bone, Chad. Come on. <laughs> I'll throw you a tile. How's that? I'll throw a tile right at you. You ready? Here we go. <laughs> that was so much fun, though. <laughs> All right, Chad, what's the draft order? It is me, and then Richie, and then you. All right, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. I I like it. However, I I got called out on Twitter today that I need to be more like you and be more uh, ruthless with my draft picks. Yeah, better at hate drafting. Hate drafting, yeah, Yeah, that's what they called it. Yeah, Yeah, that was from... Mita Petlan. I hope I pronounced that correctly. I apologize if I did not. (laughs) But uh, he has a podcast and and, uh, video stuff, too, and it's... 
Yeah, good stuff. All right. So, so my first pick is one that we've going to be one that has been talked about a bunch. It's going to be Castles of Burgundy. It is a classic. We all love it. There are art problems, but they're doing a collector's edition with all the components. This is this is the game. This is the game for. I think this is the game for gamers who don't like Euro games. Yeah, and I would agree. Uh, Stefan and Kristen, they they hate Euro games. They like it when we bring big miniatures down. But we recommend that they ask, like, what games play well at two. And we suggested this, and they gave me a look. But they tried it, and they actually enjoyed it. Right. So, I mean, you got the you got the dice rolling, right? You still get to roll your dice, but there are ways to mitigate those dice. And then the best thing of all those tiles that you get to put on your board and then put into your little your 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 dukedom your i don't know what what is that thing on your board is it a feudum i I don't know but you get to put them on and then you get to put like you put a castle on and that means you get another action and then you get that action and then you get to draw some more tiles and then you oh it's it feels really good to build up those combos and you just you're 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 taking those tiles, but you're just out of the corner of your eye. You're looking across the board at your at, at the other players who have to watch you keep taking turns and keep taking things. You're like, yeah, that's right. I did that. <laughs> so Castles of Burgundy is my number one pick. All right. Richie. Great pick. All right. Whew. I only have two felds in my top 100. So, And I knew, <laughs> I knew Castles of Burgundy was going first. This so, one's going to be a BB. That is correct. Bora Bora. <laughs> <laughs> Which is kind of like a heavier Castles of Burgundy a little bit. I mean, you, you still got the dice. I love the dice thing where mm-hmm. where you want to place higher dice because it gives you more actions. But if you place lower, you may be able to just block someone from taking that action altogether, even though the action is not going to be as great for you. But yeah, I love that. I love the uh, the men and the women tiles where you have the different powers that you can trigger every round. And then and then on top of it, you got the island that you're trying to take over different area spots. So mm-hmm. yeah, solid game overall. My second favorite Feld. All right. Excellent. All right. Good, good, good one. I, I, I like Bora Bora a lot too. So oh, got to think about this. this. What am I going to take off the board? Maybe it's not necessarily. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do a better job here of hate drafting. Okay. If you what want my help, because you, you, I've got a while. So you're not taking away from me. You're taking away from this guy over here. So. Well, that's true. Okay. So, well, maybe I should think about that. So, uh, so you know what I'm going to take as my next pick? I'm going to take Carpe Diem. Because I think that's the only thing Richie might have left on his list. <laughs> that is my third favorite. Yeah! <laughs> um, but I'm taking this because I think it's a great game. I mean, I just we just talked about it. I I really enjoy this game. I love the. I, I don't have to really continue on. Carpe Diem. That'll be my number one pick for for the first draft right here. So as my number two pick, since I get the swing, oh, th- this is tough because I think what my choice is compared to what I think that possibly else could be taken. But at this point, I think I'm just going to stick to my guns and say, as my next pick, I'm going to take Trajan. I know Richie's not going to take Trajan, so that's no. that's not a worry. <laughs> but I think Trajan's a great game. It is. It's probably... It is the second Feld game that I ever played after Castles of Burgundy. And I I personally love the Moncala. I love trying to figure out how to get my pieces in the right spot. Um, I love the fact that you don't necessarily always know when a round is going to end and you have the you know, typical Feld thing of having to feed the people or, you know, give them entertainment. You know, if you've got all those tiles you got to have, and if you don't, you lose points. I love the fact that, you know, you can work on doing shipping. You can work on doing... Uh, Senate, you know, there's so many different avenues and 
yet you can't do it all. So you have to pick what you're doing, you know, want to do to try to score those points and trying to figure out how to do it. I just think it's a great game. One of my favorites. So that's my second pick is Trajan. That's a, that's a great pick. I, I love that game. It's a great game. Last year it, it was on my 10 for 10 and I really, I even, I, I understood even more why I like it so much. Yeah. Great game. Well, I'm, I can't wait to hear what Richie's number two here is. <laughs> well, my I was fine with five. You know, if we had to do, I got five games on this list. Now, of course, three of them are gone. So, Ooh. <laughs> um, uh, so for my second pick, I'm going to take Bruges. Yeah, that's right. That was the other one that I thought about <laughs> taking because I thought maybe it might be there. But yeah, all right. <laughs> and now Jessica hates this game, and I still hung on to it for a while until everyone was like, I think like the. I sold the expansion for like a hundred bucks on its own. I hung on to it as long as I could until that price just got outrageous. But I, I think it's a great game. I love the events at the very beginning. I love what the expansion added. It may have made the river a little too much of a focus. Cause I know that that's what they were trying to do when they released that expansion, because in the base game, it's not that much of a focus, but you know, whatever. Uh, the only thing that gets a little irritating is if you can't get that right color card drawn. But other than that, I think it's a great game. Bruce for my second pick. I think that they the expansion makes the canals more viable. I don't know that it. I can see that it trends towards that a little bit, but it just makes it so that it's one thing that you always consider in the game, whereas beforehand it had to be just the right setup to consider the canal right. action. But I will say I'm I'm really sad that this didn't get to me. I was hoping it might. I it's multi use cards and and that's the mechanism so trajan is the mancala and it's so fun to puzzle through that and then this is the multi-use cards and yes there are times where that color card that you're looking for is not going to work out but and and so there is that factor to this game but it doesn't bother me enough to really to really ding the game really love bruges and, and this is uh mr bryce journey's favorite feld i think his favorite game of all time but it's his his favorite feld so yeah yeah it's a good game all right, Chad, you're up. Okay, well, where to go with this one? I I have to say, and I haven't had as many plays of this, but the one that I'm going to take coming around the bend is Aquasphere. I do like I do like I do like the programming of this game. I do like how it feels like you're even in a two player game which isn't quite as hectic. It feels like you're trying to manage a whole bunch of things at once. It, it actually and a lot of guys that don't necessarily like Feld seem to like this one. They feel like it's thematic because it does with the programming aspect it does feel like you're running around a sub trying to swat off the octopods and trying to do this and that and that. And the other extra special thing of this game is how you have to move that you have to get up past that uh, the line and you have to have a crystal or a deep program yes, a bot exactly yep. and you you could call that a catch-up mechanism but it works the same for everybody so don't look at it that way but it is it makes it a, an even tighter game which makes this more enjoyable well i it, to me the brilliance is not only do you have to use something to get past that line but once you're past that line you could have 50 octopods in your areas and you can only go back to the line that you've crossed you can't go back any further so a great strategy in that game is just make sure you just get just barely above that line and then don't worry about the octopods because whatever points you lose maybe you lose one or two and you go back to that line i love that i'm yep. very mad you took this game i did not think i had to worry about that one oh, <laughs> and that's what you get for hate drafting carpe diem from me <laughs> how does it feel would you rather have carpe diem or aquasphere yeah, that's what I thought. Right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so 
Chad again. Yep. With my next pick, I am going to take Rialto. I really like the back and forth poker interaction of Rialto, trying to decide who's going to try to take what action and how you're gonna how you're gonna build and 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 use the area majority mechanism of of that game, I think. So I really enjoy I really enjoy the group aspect, and that one's good at. F- I think we played it at five the last time we played it. Maybe I don't get four. To, I think. Uh, we, it was yeah, four. four. You don't really want to. In my opinion, you want four or five for that game. It makes it much more interesting. I remember liking this game, but I don't know. Maybe because I play so many games, I don't remember it at all. I mean, it's even on my list because I flat remember liking it. <laughs> yeah, we all liked it. I do remember that. I just don't remember enough to. I, I couldn't have said what what the game was about. I remember there was a lot of little pieces or something like. Well, we had the cards. I remember the, the cards. Yeah, it was kind of push your luck with playing the cards, something like that. I just I remember enjoying it, and it is on my list as well. So in this game, you're going to be vying for majorities out on the board, right? And then you're playing those cards down to get those actions and then it's a situation where whoever plays the most cards is going to get that action so that's why you're kind of trying to decide how much of your hand to give away and and that's that's yeah it's good it's solid you know what we need to do get this back to the table right that's what we need it's been too long that we played this one (laughs) yep i just remember that we all really enjoyed it yeah absolutely all right so richie back over to you all right this is where stuff it just gets rough fellas (laughs) It's getting a little murky. Right there, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't. I mean, you guys are safe for whatever you want at this point. I think um, my next one. It's it's probably no Castles of Burgundy is definitely my most played Feld. This is probably my second most played because I can play it online, and that's a lot of Isla. Uh, it does not get a lot of love, but I I really and it's this is probably just because I've played it like a hundred times online. But I love the multi-use cards. Uh, it's very interesting as far as every turn you are replacing a power with a new card. You know, picking the resource and then also picking what you're scoring at the end of the turn. It's very enjoyable. Plays quick. Um, yeah. La Isla. Like I said, it's going to get worse from here. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do I do enjoy this. This would, this would probably be like a four for me. That's a lighter game, but I can I can play I can play that one. I I haven't yet, but I I play that one with Finn because the theme is that you're you're taking photographs of like rare animals and stuff like that, which he would be into. You are capturing them and you're killing them. No, you're right? not. You you're you are. have a you have a you have a, a camera with you. You're definitely capturing them. Why are you killing a dodo? Well, are there any dodos left? It's an endangered <laughs> species. What is wrong with you? You're capturing them, you're killing them. Oh, God. Clef, please. You're, Just... you're, maybe you're not killing them, but you're running experiments on it. I don't think you're taking pictures. You can be quiet, you chit thriller. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I wish everybody could have seen the look on Chad's face. <laughs> oh, my God. That was great. What are you okay. drafting? <laughs> okay, moving on. So now I'm, I'm back to my swing here. All right, so what do we got? We got Castles Off the Board, Trajan, Bora Bora, Aquasphere, Carpe, Bruges. All right, well, I am now down to, and I guess I'm just going to take the next two games that would be on my list because it really didn't matter. Um, my next one I'm going to take is is Merlin. Um, I like Merlin. I played Merlin a lot when it first came out. Um, played it at all different uh, player counts, played it with different expansions. Um, was, was really excited when the Arthur expansion came, but I think I was, I don't know if I'm, I was at the point of, I'd played it a lot, so I didn't play, probably only played a few games with the, uh, Arthur expansion, but I think this is still a fun, solid game. You're still have a lot of dice manipulation. You still can kind of, you know, figure out different things. And really it's, it's a game once again, where you're just 
trying to do different things and score the most points. I think it's an enjoyable game. It's pretty. I think this got a bad rap last year, actually, and that's why one of the reasons we agreed to review it uh, together because I think it, it, it's a lot of the review and publicity it got was, was that I get these dice and I can't mitigate them, and I think there are other fields that have more randomness that is harder to deal with than Merlin, actually. Macau! Macau! Yep. <laughs> I knew I, that was coming. I knew I, that was coming. I totally agree with but you. But I will, I, I, I will say uh, definitely still the benefits from the, having those queenies because like – like Richie has said, Queen does this thing where they take apart the game and then you can put it back together and have the real game with some of those mini Queenie yeah. expansions. And, and after a time, I, I think I, Richie, I think you said this too. I think the Scrolls is probably my favorite expansion because it is the one that gives me the most control. You know, yeah. those scrolls start to give you more manipulation of the dice or, you know, just getting a couple of them get you like a piece of something that you need so if you're having trouble getting to something. So, I, I, yeah, it's, you know. If you want to know more about Merlin, we did it in one of our past reviews. So just go look it up in the catalog. Hopefully our audio sounded good back then. All right. <laughs> uh, next one. Now, whew, this is a little tough because I usually do not like to put games on a list that I have played one time. But. Strasbourg. Mm. I liked the game. I enjoyed it. I was terrible at it, but I really just, I love that press, you know, that, that you can draw as many of the cards as you want to each round, but that's all the cards you're going to get. I just think that's, I mean, they easily could have made that game. Here's 25 cards. You're drawing five cards each round and that's all there is to it, you know, and it would not have been nearly as an a, a exciting or good game that, Oh, well, I might try to draw seven this round and then only four the next round, you know, and so you try to have a big round to really cement yourself in some of those seats, I think is a fascinating thing how you can do it. But yet you can do that and still screw yourself. If you still flip over a number at the wrong time and all of a sudden somebody goes, bam, you know, and they've got a big number and you just wasted your turn. Oh boy, that's it's punishing <laughs> in a really great way, though. Yeah, and that tur- that that turn order thing up there at the the top of the board that's a really interesting interaction mechanism too. I love how those things combine, and you kind of go, oh, do I want to push real hard to get this so that I get to be the first yep. or, or the last person to bid, or you know, exactly. And then you've still got those the just the simple things about putting those buildings out so if you win that city council seat you get to put a building out and if your person your little envoy guy is next to it you score points and then also if you're the church you get to put out that little tower you know just great good combination of mechanisms just works really great i really want to play this one more um i've got a copy in the cart right now that's 90 dollars, and i'm trying to decide if it's worth 90 dollars. i I liked it you know it's a really good game and and i would have picked it had you not yeah i mean it's i like it a lot so there there we go strasburg is my next pick so richie all right i'm excited to hear this (laughs) well i'm I'm so happy you did not take this because if you would have taken notre dame i would have been down to castles burgundy the the dice game Ooh. and i don't even remember that notre so, dame was my other thought so, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so notre dame uh, uh and this is robin's burger as well yes man they have a knack for making some ugly games so the drafting in this i really enjoy i'm <laughs> shaking his head at me uh, <laughs> um and i've actually i bought this game twice i so they re-released they did the 10th anniversary of it and it had the castles of the burgundy expansion in it, like uh-huh. little little cards, yeah, or whatever little card expansion. Yep. So I uh-huh. bought it just for that. I sold it, and then Chad kept going on that he thought that I, me and Jessica would really enjoy this. So it went on sale for like fifteen bucks, and I picked it up again, and we did. It's a solid little drafting game, especially at two. 
plays quick. Don't let the ugly art and box fool you. It's a good game. Oh, the art's not that bad. <laughs> if you say so. It's got a style to it. Let's just say that. <laughs> it's got that. a style to it. All right, uh, but Chad, it is. It is. Oh, if so I'm gonna play, a, I'm gonna play a drafting game. I I think I this is one of my favorite drafting games to play. I, I I already talked about how last last episode how I don't know that card drafting games are my very favorite, but this one because of the stuff on the map and the other things of chaining your combos together, yeah. it's makes I, it interesting. I enjoy the game. I agree. I I personally I think I like it at a higher player count, so you have a little bit more variety of what you're kind of going after with the cards and the drafting. Yeah, but yeah. you know, once again. This is one of those Euro games that I don't mind playing at five player because everything is simul you know, is, is pretty quick or it's not simultaneous, but at least the draft part is and it's you know Yeah, very hard. fast. Yeah. All right. Uh this is tough. I have two that I'm trying to decide between, but I'm gonna err on the side of punishing. So I'm gonna finish up with In the Year of the Dragon. Mm. I I like In the Year of the Dragon. It might not be for everybody because it is kind of crushing. If you like well, if you like, you know, Agricola where you where you feel like you're you're you know, you're just eking out things and you're just getting by and you're feeling clever how you built things, I think this gives you the same sort of feeling. But people that feel like, gosh, I never get to get done what I really am looking forward to getting done in the Year of the Dragon for some people can feel exasperating, I think. This is kind of the opposite of an engine building game. It's almost a if your engine gets too big, it's going to knock you down. You can't do too much in the game. So, right. Yeah. And you're and this is like the classic game for felled threats basically because you're trying to manage you're you're trying to manage these threats every round basically. And you, and you can kind of the big thing is you can kind of mess like if you're playing in a two player game where it's really easy to see what the other players doing, you can kind of mess with each other by by taking that the the little what little protection against threats you have and sticking the other player with the bad stuff. And every round is just like, okay, how bad is this gonna get for me? Mm-hmm. And uh and and that's nice. I, I actually enjoy that. I enjoy the interaction back and forth with that. So Awesome. In the name of the dra- or in the year of the dragon is the last one for me. So that is our four, our four draft titles. We're gonna put those up on our guild page, and like always, you can vote who had the best draft. But we are also gonna put up this list that we're gonna give you right now, which is our top ten Feld games in the order that we would put them, and we'll just give them to you quickly each one of us one at a time and we'll put those up on the guild and if you'd like you can you can vote on that poll too uh we'll we'll post them and then we'll put the poll probably on a separate on a separate spread since we're not going to list all 10 10 games in the poll but anyway any of that interaction is is welcome and we love we love getting some when you disagree with us or what you would have put where so please feel free to interact but richie since this is hardest for you, why don't you go first? Sure. So I, I've played 15 of his games. Like I said, and I apologize to the Feld fanatics out there. I'm His games just don't jump out at me. They don't excite me. 15 is fine. You're okay. good. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're starting at number 10. Are we going? Yeah, just 10 and just roll right down to your one real quick. All right. So 10 is Arena, Roma 2. Then we have Castles of Burgundy, the dice game. Rialto, Notre Dame, Merlin, La Isla, Bruges, Carpe Diem, Bora Bora, and then Castles of Burgundy, number one. All right. Very nice. Uh, I'll roll through mine here next real quick. Uh, my number 10 I put down as Notre Dame. Number nine I put down as Rialto. Like I said, I remember liking it. Uh, number eight I put down as Strasbourg. And then number seven I put down as Merlin. Number six is Bruges. 
Number five, Carpe Diem. Number four, Aquasphere. Number three, Bora Bora. Number two is Trajan. And number one is Castles of Burgundy. Chad? All right. So for my list, I had at number 10, Notre Dame. Number nine is In the Year of the Dragon. Number eight is Macau. Number seven is Rialto. Number six is Strasbourg. Uh, number five is Aquasphere. Number four is Bora Bora. Number three is Bruges. Number two is Castles of Burgundy. And number one is Trajan. I I will not. I mean, I think most people probably would say Castles of Burgundy, but I can't fault you for saying Trajan is your number one. I mean, Castles of Burgundy, so, I it was my first love affair with Euro gaming, but I really like Trajan. Yeah. So real quick to finish it off, though, I want to know what's your number last place. <laughs> so, Richie, what is your last place? I think you already told us in this episode, but I did. Yes, okay. it is form is at the bottom of my list. Chad, would you have a bottom of the list? And I've played Pillars. You've played Pillars, Pillars of the Earth. The, Builders the, the Duel is mine, for sure. <laughs> it's a two-player game, and it's... That's my second to last. Two players, too many. So that would be your mm. that would be your worst one. And Chad, how many Felds have you played? Did you check that out? I think it's been 18 or 19. Okay. I, I hit the 20 mark this weekend by playing those three games. <laughs> but uh, I'm sorry, but... And I'm, I've played... I have not played Builders dual two so maybe that would be the worst of my list but I, i'm sorry i gotta go macau i just there is no manipulation in that game in my opinion and it was just too random that i just did not think that that was a very good game so that would be on the bottom of the list for me okay all right well i don't know if anybody's still listening <laughs> this was a this was a long one folks or thanks for hanging with us uh like i said we're gonna have those up on the guild so check into those what are we doing next time? Next time we are going to review Blackout Hong Kong by a gentleman, I believe, uh, one of us, we, we kind of all know a little bit, Alexander Fister. Anyway, I will say that, <laughs> I will say that basically we're going to do the same thing that we did last time, which is we'll put a poll up, uh, not a poll, excuse me, we'll put a forum post up, and if you played Blackout Hong Kong, let us know what you thought of it, and we will give some thoughts on the show. If you played it, please Go over uh, to our guild at 3227 and give us a comment. Well, that's plenty from the Punch Boarders for tonight. So thank you all for listening and have a good one. Good night, everybody. Thanks for listening. <laughs>